Hello, I'm Gavin Bennett, and this is the Bridgetown Daily for Wednesday, January 6th. One of my traditions at the end of each year is to get away to spend some time reflecting on the year that just happened and praying into the year that is about to begin. I've done it for years now, and it always starts out with this sort of dread that washes over me as I drive to wherever I'm going to spend my time, usually the grotto, but this year Mount Angel Abbey. The dread with a hint of anxiety is mostly rooted in the fact that my expectations are enormous. I want it to be life-changing and extraordinary. But if I'm being honest, and to no one's surprise, there's yet to be any sort of enormous divine revelation or angels coming through the ceiling moment. Instead, it's exactly what you'd expect. I sit down and spend some time reading through my journals over the last year and the highlights list that I keep about major things that happen. And as I do... Every year, without fail, I am overwhelmed by the ordinary faithfulness of God. And not in a because-I-have-to way, genuinely. I am taken aback at how all the things that I went through, all the things that I did, all the things that happened around me, the really good, the devastating, and everything in between, become a soil bed for my life. Now, I am an optimist by nature. I love a good bright side and a silver lining but I also don't sugarcoat things. Some really hard things happened this year. Global things, like a pandemic that has taken millions of lives and ravaged our mental health and relational health. And and then personal things, like living with my grandfather for seven weeks this summer as he passed away. And if you know me, you know that I also don't believe that evil is God's will. COVID, racism, abuse, my grandfather's death, None of those things are part of God's good design. The sovereignty of God is not that he willed it, but that he recycles it. And he does so for my good and in a way that mocks Satan. God's power is that not even the power of Satan can stop God from being good. And in light of that, the author of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are to fix our eyes on the one who scorns the shame of the enemy and rises victoriously to sit on the throne. There's a threshold moment each year in my annual reflection, right before I finish looking at last year and right before I start looking at the next year in which I remember that God's goodness means that even the evil and darkness of my life become fertile soil for intimacy with him. And if that's what he does with the bad, imagine what he does with the good. Now, this threshold moment isn't like some dramatic key change. It's more like that relief that comes when you find that chapstick in your car that you thought you lost. It's a sigh of finding the strength to look forward. It's not all the hope I'll need for the year, but it's enough to get started. This year, as I was doing that, I thought about a poem by Wendell Berry called The Broken Ground. 
Some of you know, Barry is a generational tobacco farmer out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. So his poetry is filled with agrarian analogies, farming and planting and reaping and sowing. As I read the poem, I began to think about last year with all its pain and trauma and goodness and badness. And I began to see it as a ground that is broken open, making room for new life. I started to think about the bad of 2020 as compost, recycled by God's kindness to somehow, in a way I can't yet see, become the catalyst for new life. This is The Broken Ground by Wendell Berry. The opening out and out, body yielding body. The breaking through which the new comes, perching above its shadow on the piling up darkened, broken, old husks of itself, but opening to flower, opening to fruit, opening to the sweet marrow of the seed, taken from what was, from what could have been, what is left is what is. I love that last line, taken from what was, from what could have been, what is left is what is. The ground breaking open for the new flower and fruit is taken from what was and what could have been. New life necessitates that something dies. And it's all, of course, a metaphor for the resurrection. God himself comes to us as Jesus, not playing dress up or merely pretending to be human, but actually flesh and blood human. A man who felt sorrow and pain and joy and anxiety. God wanted to give us new life, to heal us in a way that we cannot heal ourselves. And he did so by giving us his very life. I have quite a few goals for the new year. Remember, I'm an optimist. But the most important one is one that I've had for a few years now. And it's simply this. I want to practice surrendering to love. Meaning, I want to keep trying to come home to God's kindness and goodness. To stop attributing the evil around me to Him, but to see where He actually is. Beside me. With me aching as I do for the new creation and fighting as I do against evil. I want to find the one who finds me. I want to come home. A few days ago, I finished reading Henry Nouwen's The Return of the Prodigal Son for the millionth time. And in it, he reflects on Jesus's parable and Rembrandt's painting of the same name. It's one of my favorite books because of the humanness to it. Nowen is not painting a triumphalistic Christianity in which everything is good and beautiful and wraps up with a cute bow. He writes of the beauty and pain of following Jesus, how we are all the prodigal son who squanders everything and the embittered older brother who has never left home and how the path of formation is acknowledging that we are all meant to become the father. As we mature, we become the ones who sacrifice everything in welcoming home the prodigals and softening the hearts of the resentful. But before we can do this, we have to come home ourselves. We have to be found. Here's Nouwen's words. Without trust, I cannot let myself be found. 
Trust is that deep inner conviction that the Father wants me home. As long as I doubt that I am worth finding and put myself down as less loved than my younger brothers and sisters, I cannot be found. I have to keep saying to myself, God is looking for you. He will go anywhere to find you. He loves you. He wants you home. He cannot rest unless he has you with him. And I I love that so much, but it's not that easy, is it? Elsewhere, Nowen says, it is the place where I so much want to be, but am so fearful of being. It is the place where I will receive all I desire, all that I ever hoped for, all that I will ever need. But it is also the place where I have to let go of all I most want to hold on to. It is the place beyond earning, deserving, and rewarding. And so there is an ideal, yes, it's this all-embracing, ever-forgiving love of a father who knows everything about me and still chooses to draw near to welcome me home. But then there's the real, and it's that even though I know all of this to be true, I still don't actually choose to come home most of the time. We need more than an inspiration to change more than simply a new idea or a new feeling. Now, I've settled for a new idea or a new feeling before, and I'm sure I will do it again. But I want my trajectory this year, my aim, my charted course to be for more. And the chasm between the ideal and the real is not a gap that I can cross alone. It is one that we, you and I, cross together, arm in arm, animated by God's own spirit, who wants to bring us home into right relationship with him. Which is why after all of that, after naming the ideal and walking about and talking about how much the core of who he is aches for it, Nowen says, I am still not free enough to let myself be held completely safe in the embrace of the Father. But I am indeed on my way home. Friends, we may not yet be home. We may not yet be in perfect union with the God of love, but we are on our way. Let's use this new year to press forward towards home together. As we close, let's spend a few moments reflecting on this idea of coming home. Even now, just take a moment wherever you're at and begin to pay attention to the Holy Spirit through your breathing. Watch with each inhale as breath comes home to your body, filling your lungs, providing oxygen to each part of your body. And with each exhale, how it leaves again, only to return with more oxygen. Begin to see your breathing as a metaphor for your life. Remembering that we are fickle people. We are consistently leaving home and returning again. Watch your breathing as you think through that. 
And as you continue to breathe, ask the Holy Spirit what it might look like for you to return home today. What is one small way in which you need to return home? And as you hear his voice, may you remember that his arms are open wide, always ready to receive you. As you sense his warm reception of you, may you be filled with gratitude for his kindness. And as you take each new breath, may you start your journey home again. <laughs>